Hello and welcome to the Negative Space Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Sippy. As a reminder, all of these episodes are recorded live in front of an actual audience. So if you want to join and bring your questions to the panel, you can check out the Negative Space website for a full schedule and registration as well. Also, the, the video recording is on YouTube, so you can watch that as well. Now then, on to the show. Today, we're talking with a big name on, on Webtoons, Stephen McCraney. Stephen is the author and illustrator for Mal and Chad, an all-ages graphic novel series. He is currently working on Space Boy, a sci-fi comic about a love that crosses light years. His stated goal as an artist is to make comics that nourish. For more info, go to stephenmccraney.com. Stephen, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. So I want to start, Stephen, where we where we always start here, which is sort of a, a brief glimpse at your creative origin story, sort of that initial impulse you had to go down this creative road uh, and develop as a writer, as an artist, sort of what was that original moment for you? I'm one of those rare people where uh, comics sort of found me super early. Um, I've been drawing comics for as long as I can remember. In fact, even before I knew how to write, I would draw the pictures out and then have my mom write the speech bubbles in for me. And I couldn't even read what she was writing, but I knew it was comic. So like I said, one of those rare things, I think our generation, uh, um, I assume you're like twenties, thirties, like myself, but we were like raised with this idea of like, you could become whatever you want to become. And then um, most of us graduated during the uh, 2008 um, crash and uh, none of, there was no jobs for anybody. And it was kind of like, yeah, it was, it was a little bit rough, but um, I have one of those rare, rare things where I wanted to become a cartoonist ever since I was a kid. And mm -hmm. um, it actually happened, which was extraordinary. And I'd like to say that it was all because of me. Um, I did work really hard, but I've gotten some amazing opportunities along the way. One of the big opportunities was my family. I recently visited a classroom and was talking about the job of a cartoonist. And uh, they, a student asked me, hey, has anyone ever doubted you or thought you couldn't do it? And it kind of stopped me in my tracks because um, I realized like my parents ne were never like, I don't know if you can make it. I don't know if you can make it in comics. And they, you know, my dad let me draw comics all summer once rather than go get a job. So I had the support of my family. The other thing that I had was uh, in college, I started working on a, a comic strip called Mal and Chad, like you mentioned. And I put that comic strip on the internet. Back then they didn't have as much like social media type stuff as we have now. So I put it on one of those comic aggregator websites I paid for just six months of advertising on it or actually no no six weeks it was six weeks of advertising and during that like teeny little space a random publisher was just surfing the website saw me on chat and emailed me out of the blue and so I had this opportunity right out of college to make my first graphic novel again that's not my fault that's just because I got the opportunity and I was ready for it so I really can't like claim all the credit for it um, especially because I, I started working on Mel and Chad. I was like, hey, I got my dream job. Uh, but suddenly you realize like, oh, my dream job is a job and it's hard to work, hard to get myself to work. And uh, I also made the mistake of real, not, not understanding that a publisher won't necessarily um, do all the work for you and promote all your stuff. They're, they're just going to throw you at the wall and see if you stick. And if you fall off, they'll work, move on to someone else. There's plenty of people out there. And so Mel and Chad volume three rolled around and I realized they weren't going to offer me more books and I had never hired an agent. And so suddenly I was, I lost my dream job and I was like, Oh no, what do I do? So I turned to Kickstarter, which was kind of going well at the time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to self-publish. And I published a comic book called Brick by Brick. I re recently retitled it, The Art of Being an Artist and uh, published it on Webtoons, but it's a collection of short comic essays about what it takes to be a sustainable 
like what what it takes to to create for the long term and what it takes to to have sustainable creativity so i put that on kickstarter i i raised a decent amount of money and was like oh i guess i'm a self-publisher now and uh started working on that stuff and then when webtoons came along they they were offering thirty thousand dollars for for a comics contest uh, i know you guys run comics contests and stuff on your website but i was used to seeing you know normal amounts of money and when i saw thirty thousand dollars i was like either they are criminal or there's something new here that i missed <laughs> And we could talk more about that, but I decided like, I'm going to try to jump on board early. There's a chance that I could be a big fish in a small pool. And so I dropped everything I was doing. I spent the next two months just submitting to this contest. And I actually ended up winning the contest, the first ever contest and, and getting published with, with Webtoons. And I've been with them for like six years. So, so yeah, I've had the weird, rare opportunity to have worked in newspaper comics for panel strips. Um, working with a major publisher, Penguin, uh, now Penguin Random House, self-publishing my comics and doing webtoons. So I have a lot to share today. And whatever questions you guys have about any aspect of the comics industry, I'd love to talk to you about. And um, that's my little story. Thanks for thanks for asking. Of course. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you brought up so many things I want to get back to. I want to I want to start with Malin with Malin Chad because First off, like the fact that you put up a quality product, that's what got an editor's attention, a publisher's attention. So I'm curious at that point, like where were you as a creative? Were you feeling like this is sort of like you were ready to get out there? Or was it kind of just like a, a shot in the dark and see what happens? I don't think I could take credit for it exactly because who who advertises their comic and then gets a publishing deal out of it? You know, like I didn't even submit anything. There was no, no. I think what had happened is um, the publisher was he had realized that Diary of a Wimpy Kid was a, was another similar thing that started online. Um, and some publisher just found the creator online and was like, oh. So he started thinking like, well, what other, what other comic might be out there that I haven't seen? And from what I could piece together, since he knew nothing about comics, he just typed in, he went to Google and typed in web comics and like that random aggregator that I was on, like he just like, you know, yours look the best out of all the, all that I saw. And like, again, six weeks of advertising. So I, I can't really claim credit for that happening. So it was a shot in the dark. Um, but as to whether I would say whether I'm ready, I was ready. I don't, it's a hard question to answer, but I did know entering into college that like, I decided I didn't want to go to an art school because I didn't want to have that enormous debt heading out of it. Um, I think that there's a lot of benefits to going to art school, particularly if you can make friends in the industry, but in regards to comics, there's, there isn't like a job waiting for you when you've got out. So I did, I did enter into college knowing, like I went to a community college. I did enter into that college knowing that I needed to be ready by the time I got out for a job and I needed to try to have a job by the time I got out. So I was trying to head that direction. And the fact that it happened a lot quicker than I ever expected is somewhat miraculous. What, what tips do you have for promoting your own web comics? That is the question. You know, it's funny because I'm trying, I've been trying to think about how do I promote Space Boy right now? And um, I'll bet a lot of you are guys might think like, why do you even, why are you trying to think about how to promote Space Boy? Like you have, I think it's something like 400,000 um, subscribers. I've built a larger business model out on, on it. So I'm like, oh yeah, the more I can get, the more people I can kind of bring into all of my, my whole business model and my, my funnel that I have going. But um, even that question I like struggle to deal with because I'm, I'm making the comic so quickly 
But let me try to give my best honest, honest answer. I think there's a there's a priority list that you need to have before you start promoting. And one is, I, th- I think that in an ideal world, you would be like the opportunity might come along. Like, you know, I bought that six months of advertising. Make sure you don't put the cart before the horse. So like you need a lot more practice as an artist. Do that first, because there are three ways to distinguish yourself in a market. The first thing you try to do is uh, try to be the best at what you do. So that means just practice. And the more you practice, the more you start distinguishing yourself. It's hard because you're competing with the whole world, but it is a way to, to gain an audience. It is a way to gain a following as you continue to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, the second way to do it is you try to be different, meaning like there's a, there's a big category and you're like, I'm like Harry Potter, except if Harry Potter was evil and people are like, Oh, and you can create a new category for yourself to compete in. Um, so you go into the category of fantasy, but then you, div- you, you create something a little different, a little off. And people are like, Oh, I like this genre that he's created. And the other way to do it is to be the first with webtoons. I had the unique opportunity of being kind of the first there, the first to market. And even though I don't think my comics can necessarily compete with some of the stuff that I see in the canvas section these days, because I was there early, I, I had that opportunity. So those are the three things I'd recommend if you're trying to get out there, mm-hmm. be the best, be different, and be the first. Otherwise, like I would focus on those things first before like kind of trying to get an audience because there's only only so many ways that you can like beg people to look at something. No, that that's that's good advice. So let let's get into Space Boy because that that's you know that's the one that's ongoing. That's the one that's amazing. Not that, not that all of your other work isn't also, but Space Boy is actively amazing. Um, when when did you know, this is the one that won the contest. When did you start working on the story and what was it that pulled you into the story first? Was it a character, the setting, or, or what was sort of the, the seed that sprouted it all? Space Boy has been a project that I've wanted to work on for like, I want to say seven or eight years before I did it for the contest. So it started when I was watching this Japanese movie called Kinokyo. Hinokyo. It's a, it's a, it's a story about a hikikomori, uh, a Japanese shut-in kid who never goes outside. And um, the technology they have to build to try to like get him to introduct introduce with uh, to interact with the, the real world. I'm really interested in this idea of um, sort of the space between us, how society we seem to be drifting apart and getting lonelier and lonelier. What better way to do that than a sci-fi where the space is literal, where the the, the outer space is is everywhere. And uh, so I was really excited to do work on that for a long time, but um, it's not like I had the idea right away. And I I think for me, I'm the type of creator where I have to let it sit mature for years and years and years. Um, I don't create my ideas overnight. They, I'm a very slow thinker. And uh, yeah, so Space Boy was eight years in the making. I definitely recommend slow thinking to anybody who's trying to create something or frustrated with something that they're working on, because it's just like, put it on the back burner, revisit it in five months, revisit it in 10 months, and then you'll be a different person by then and you'll be able to add new dimensions to the work that you're already working on. And had you tried to get Space Boy out there before Webtoons or was this sort of the first time launching it out there into the world? Yeah, Webtoons was definitely the seed or the the impetus. Um, I'm so thankful to Webtoons because until Webtoons, like I mentioned, I had sort of lost my cartooning job. I had this dream job. I never got an agent. I never got someone to advocate for me or help me find new work. And so when Mal and Chad ended, I was kind of back to square one. I had like thrown away this once in a lifetime opportunity. It felt like I didn't know what else to do. So I was trying to think of new projects, but I was doing what I call fear-based thinking where I'm like, oh, I, I need to make these type of creative decisions in order for people to like my stuff. And so I'll create like 
save the cat sort of template type stories that were no good. But what I really liked about Webtoons was that I was forced to create in the moment and to sort of let go of all of the, the templates and the story structure stuff and the cookie cutter things that I was trying to create and just sort of let it pour out of my heart because I, I didn't have time to plan this long story. I just had to keep running. And as a result, it's been a lot more improvisational, a lot more exciting. And I'm really thankful to Webtoons for that. And then I want to I ask you about sort of the day-to-day of creating this because it's it's it sounds very labor intensive like this is something that has regular episodes that go out regularly and you do the writing and the art like you are the the person that makes this happen so what like what's the workload look like what does your day-to-day look like while you're working on this when I first started with Space Boy I was working like 50 to 60 hours a week it was not sustainable which is ironic because I wrote a book about sustainable creativity I was not living a sustainable life. It's been a journey for me to get to a place of sustainability. I think that if I was living in Korea doing the same job, the expectation would be that I just continue to work, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week and sort of churn out this work. But I've kind of tried to force Webtoons, not force the platform, but just force my relationship to the platform into a place where I only give an amount of comics that's sustainable for me. That said, I am producing 450 to 500 pages a year, about two graphic novels a year. And there was a time when I was doing three graphic novels a year. My process is is really specced out around speed, what can be automated. One of the things I realized really early on, I was looking at um, the career of uh, Osamu Tezuka and I calculated it out because he did something like 140,000 pages of comics in his lifetime within like 40 years of making comics or something. I looked at it as like 12 pages a day with no breaks. And I just couldn't believe it when I did those calculations. Now he only got four hours of sleep a night. And obviously that's not something I want. I think there is something to be said for being able to produce comics fast because it's inherently a slow medium. There's an enormous competitive edge to be gained around being able to produce fast. So if you guys have any more, if you guys have any questions about how, how I produce it, I, we can get into it more. Um, but I would love to share all the secrets I've developed around how do you make comics fast? <laughs> yeah, please. If you want to jump off from there, that's a great thing to talk about. So how do you make comics fast? Every single um, stage in the process can be optimized. I don't even know if I'll be able to cover everything, but we'll break it down into writing and drawing. For the writing stage, something I found that's been really helpful is with stories previously before Space Boy, I was sort of trying to write to a template or write to a theme. It's like you go, you pick your message, you pick your demographic, you pick your really awesome buzzword title, and then you try to create something based around that. And it's like, um, it's kind of like building a, a clock, like you're writing this graphic novel and it's like building a really, really compact clock with all these gears that fit together perfectly and pay off at the end. It's extremely hard to write. Short stories are actually very hard to write. And I would say that most graphic novels equate to about a short story of prose. So it's not even a novel, really. It's more like a, a really tight short story. That's very hard to do. It's very hard to write. If you've ever played D&D, it becomes more of an improvisational session where I assemble my characters. I tell them the situation. I have in mind what I want to happen as the DM, but if my characters decide to go a different direction, I'll let them go that way. And my goal is to be as faithful to their desires as I can be while pushing it in the direction I want it to go. And by, by instead of by creating plot, I'm more just honoring what the characters want the writing comes out a lot faster and a lot more powerfully because it sort of comes out of the heart. It comes out of like genuine frustrations and pain that the characters are having. And I also start skipping 
large swaths of the story that I would think is important as the writer, but my characters don't think is important. And as soon as the audience senses that, they go, ah, this character has autonomy. I have autonomy as the audience because I, I'm inhabiting the character and then I'm, I'm living in a real world through this. And so that's helped um, compact a lot of my writing in a lot of regards, like to let it come out freer rather than like thousands of drafts. Like it, I used to write, you know, 18 or 19 drafts for a single graphic novel. Now it's like, you know, cause again, you're trying to like compact everything there, but now it's, now it's more of a, a discovery process. That type of writing is more uh, economical. I think like it, it's sprawling and a little intimidating, but it's also very economical. Like it's very dense uh, as far as all the th things that are happening. I used to work really super hard up to the deadline and then I'd sort of collapse and then work really hard up to the deadline and then collapse as soon as I get that done. Now, every single one of my days is sort of a microcosm of everything I need to do in my life. It looks like this, where like I'm doing nine panels a day. I know exactly how many panels I need to do every day. So I'll do one hour of writing in the morning. I used to like draw the episode and then, and then turn it in. And then I would have to spend three days writing a new episode. And then I would have to draw it and then I'd turn it in. Now I'm writing every day. I'm drawing every day. I'm penciling every day. I'm inking every day. I'm doing all the steps every day and it, it diversifies my movement. It diversifies um, my thought process and I don't get burned out as easily. So just that little teeny tweak has gone, has gained a lot of productivity. And then finally for the, um, for the drawing portion, I can actually screen share at some point my setup, but I use a lot of 3d assets, which are really good. Um, I even use some 3d assets to help me pencil my characters. I um, ink relatively fast. And then I, I've hired some people to help me color. If you want to share screen and show what you have going on, this would be a great time to do that. So this is a page. I plotted out some of the speech bubble, so it's not entirely clear what's happening. Obviously, it's not clear what's happening. <laughs> Here's a page that I'm working on currently. Manga Studio is sort of the old version of Clip Studio. I'm in the process of perhaps changing, but I've discovered a, br a brush that's very versatile and that can't be replicated in clip. Mm. So I'm kind of stuck in Manga Studio for now. But every single tool in Manga Studio is something that you should you should learn about. For instance, the background ruler. You, know, you can set your background so that everything automatically draws towards a horizon line. Um, but recently what I've been doing, uh, I, let's see if I can show you guys. This background right here um, was a background that I 3D modeled. I used to actually have to pay someone to you know, go over those lines, that line work with my um, characteristic space boy line. Mm. But I recently realized that in Clip Studio, you can actually do something called extract line work, turn that into a vector layer, and then change that vector layer into a pre-designed brush that you have. So I can actually just convert these um, generated backgrounds, which I create in uh, SketchUp, directly into line work for the background. So mm. that, that alone, and um, it's just an enormous amount of work taken away and again rather than i used to have to draw every background by hand but now i can just model the background uh, which is a whole nother set of skills actually let me show you my um thumbnails too because that's interesting to look at again i won't have i won't be able to talk about everything that makes makes space boy fast but my thumbnailing process has um gotten a lot quicker over time thumbnailing might be one of the hardest parts of making comics I have a way now of blocking, put the speech bubbles out first. So I understand the shape of them. Hmm. Um, and then you might be able to see some, there's the darker lines, but then there's these lighter lines. Do the lighter lines first, just to block out. Like I know there's a character there. Here's how big I want him to be. 
And I just, sometimes if I know a character's here, I'll just draw a triangle. And just compositionally, I'll, I'll have the, the composition ready in my head, and then I'll go back and give their specific expressions. So even breaking down the process like that is, makes it a lot quicker. And then here's, here's one of the big ones. Um, you'll notice that these, uh, these character heads right here, I didn't actually draw this. This is a screenshot of a, a Blender model, which I made in Blender. Um, I'll show you that in just a second, but what I do is I'll pencil, I'll, I'll move the head to the right angle. I'll take a screenshot of it, pop it in, and then I've penciled the body here. Once I do that, I'll, I'll knock it back and I won't even draw the clothes on. I'll just start inking because digitally ink is basically like an eraser. There's no need to, to do a lot of this stuff, uh, to, to pencil a lot of this stuff first, may as well just, just draw it. So um, people in the podcast can't see this exactly, but I'm sort of inking over this model and it, it, it's coming out pretty quick. And then I, I add the clothes on as I go. Uh, but that's one of a million ways to save time. I do wanna show you guys on the screen here. I think I might have to switch to share screens, but I'll pull up a Blender model cause it's really neat looking. While you're doing that, there, there is one question that, that's getting asked and I want to, it's, it's a softball question. I love it. What is your favorite Space Boy character? Who is your favorite Space Boy character? I like Zeph a lot. Zeph is a, a character who is um, kind of always on the losing side. And uh, I think we all relate to him because he doesn't seem to have a lot of luck in love or, <laughs> or battle or whatever it is. So again, for people on the podcast, um, essentially now I have line work that's sort of like a 3D drawing. And I've modeled my character's head, but then I've used a, a tool called Grease Pencil, where you can draw on the outside of the character's head, essentially create a pencil drawing that's 3D. So I would definitely Google um, Grease Pencil because it's a game-changing tool unto itself. But that's what that looks like. Yeah. And um, that's helped save a lot of time and might make my characters look a lot more consistent. Um, and I... I you know, I really struggled with this for quite a while because it felt like cheating. Two ways I justified it. One is that um, I think in the service of a story, if it's in the service of a good storytelling, cheat as much as you can uh, mm -hmm. because it's so hard to make comics. So go ahead and cheat. The other thing is that um, since my time budget is so limited, since I can spend a lot less time um, working on you know drawing ahead, for instance, with these models, it actually has given me more time to try to learn how to draw um, body and anatomies and uh, other parts of, of the character that I've been sort of lacking at because I just haven't had the time. I was really excited to get these in place because it actually freed up time for more learning because I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn and improve. A related question that's in the Q&A that I've been eyeing for a while. Uh, are there times when the art informs the story? So for example, I want to draw X so X will happen in the story or does the plot lead you towards the artwork? I'm very, I'm very plot based. I do know that there are creators who essentially create a lot of evocative imagery and then they create a narrative in order to um, reach that imagery. I don't think either method is bad. When I'm thumbnailing, sometimes I will have a character who I, I get into that moment and realize that, oh, their hand would be up like this. And it can create these improvisational things. For instance, in this episode, one of the characters shouts at the other one and I have, I realized like, oh, I could fit a little spit take in here where the character like who is sipping a cup of coffee, like blows it, blows it out. That wasn't in the original script, but as I was thumbnailing it, I was like, oh, this needs to be here. So there is moments like that, but I would say I'm more, more cerebral, more plot-based. And then, and then similar to that, um, 
a question, another question from the Q&A is how do you plot or how do you plan out the plot and themes of Space Boy? I, I'll, I'll add my own caveats, especially when you're going at such fast pace. Do you outline these things ahead of time or? Yeah, um, I think maybe you guys have heard of that um, dichotomy between the uh, the seat of the pants writer and the, the, the plot writer. I, I don't think that, I think in an ideal world, it, it's actually both. Um, I have a whole video about this on my Patreon that explains like my phil why my philosophical views on this, but like as a broad outline, um, I would say that you you have your best week when you make a plan for your week. If you write down like, hey, I'm going to do this on this day. I'm going to go here on that day. I'm going to go there. And then when you actually live the plan, it never goes according to plan because life is life is life. And you get to certain parts and you realize like, oh, I'll never be able to do this because I don't feel like it or whatever. But the weird thing is having the plan actually still helps in spite of the fact that the week doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to because it allows you to see what's important. And so even though chaos comes and pushes you over the hill on one edge, you'll still be able to course correct because you know what's important as opposed to having no plan at all. And then you just sort of, it's just sort of chaos. So in a, in a similar regard, I outline um, what I see coming ahead of time in the story and say like, okay, I know this is going to happen. But when I actually enter the scene to write the scene, I, I abandon all that and ask the characters what is going to happen. And I hope that my predictions about them are true, but I try to honor what they say. And so um, just like a chaotic week, um, once the scene is over, um, then I take what actually happened and reincorporate it in, into my my outlines. So it's a back, it's a direct back and forth between the plot and the characters. And then th there's another really good question in here that I've been wanting to get to. Uh, it's something you'd mentioned early on. Can you talk a bit more about what you'd mentioned earlier regarding having your dream job, but still feeling like you have to motivate yourself to work sometimes? That interested me because I'm not necessarily working my dream job, but I lose motivation to work a lot. I wonder if that's the same case when doing your dream job. Um, I was really kind of mad at myself because I, I had gotten this dream job. I had gotten a book deal right out of college. And there were days when I could only work for like two hours. <laughs> I just didn't have the discipline to, um, to do the things that I wanted to do. It's that irony of like, we do the things that's easiest, not the things necessarily that we want to do. I think it takes practice that you can grow with, you can learn how to motivate yourself and you can learn self-control. It's something that I was kind of shocked about when the pandemic rolled around. A lot of people had to work at home and they're like, oh, this is so rough. And I realized that I had already been practicing that skill set for the past 10 years. And it's something you can learn. I would say as a hint about how to motivate yourself, be nice to yourself. There's a weird thing where the harder you are in yourself, the, the less sustainable it is and the, quickly, the quicker you'll burn out. Uh, but the nicer you are and the more generous you are with yourself, you'll be surprised how much you give back to yourself when you're nice to yourself. So that would be my hint about how to cultivate self-discipline. That's some of the best advice ever. Be nice to yourself. I love it. <laughs> and then a question that I've been wanting to ask just popped up in the Q&A as well. Do you ever get bored of just drawing in Space Boy? Like, is this universe sustainable to live in as much as you do? Yeah, I mean, it's it's different scales, right? So like if you do, I'm doing like 45 panels a week. And so, yeah, there are like some, some grind panels, but I have this view of the story that's sort of, like, I, I remember when I was a kid, drawing one page was so huge. It was just like such a Herculean thing to finish. But now, you know, doing 10 or 11 pages a week, it just feels like it's going by so much faster that the view I, the what I'm looking at as I'm drawing these kind of boring panels is the, the story at large. And the story at large is very fascinating to me. So 
I'm not necessarily looking at this panel and going, oh, it's so boring. I'm looking at the greater story and going, wow, it's connecting to something bigger. So I want to ask, you know, since Space Boy is such a big commodity, and I mean, it's it's on bookshelves now too, which is the first time I saw it. And I was like, oh, it's a web webtoon as well. Like I saw it through the bookshelf. So I'm curious how the success of Space Boy has, has it opened more opportunities for you? Like, I mean, it got on bookshelves. So what was the process in getting it into, into hard copy as well? Yeah, after uh, Mel and Chad, I realized like, oh, I need, I should have gotten an agent as soon as I had a book deal. So there's two ways to go into the book book industry. Um, you can submit pitches and hope that someone picks you, which is not the worst way to do it, especially if, you, if you're talented, people won't ignore your talent. But the other way to do it is to, to do it backwards. So I think a lot of people in their idea, they like, oh, I'll try to submit to a, an agent and an agent will bring it to a publisher and a publisher will bring it to an audience. My experience is the opposite. So I had the audience, I snagged a publisher with the promise of an audience and I snagged an agent with the promise of a publisher. I had this audience on Webtoons and a, a, an editor from Dark Horse saw me at a convention and invited me to, to pitch something. I pitched Space Boy and mentioned my audience and they're like, oh, sure. And then I asked my editor, who would you recommend as a, an agent? And they, you know, sort of begrudgingly were like, well, you could call this guy. He's really good because uh, they, they don't necessarily want you to always get an agent. But so then I called him and I said, I already got a book deal on the line. Do you want to join? And he's like, well, yeah, it's the opposite because all the incentives are in place. Like the, the publisher is like, oh, an audience, that means free money. And an agent is like, oh, a book deal. That means my job's already done for me. That was a really powerful way to go about it. Do you, you know, with all those different influences coming in, do you ever have trouble staying true to your vision for it? Are there other people trying to weigh in on where it should go or is it always going to be your vision? Yeah, I mean, you'll be shocked about how little editorial input I've had, almost zero, really zero, honestly, except for my wife. She's the one who reads the stuff. It's coming out so fast. Yeah, it's coming out so fast that there's hardly any time to edit. So Webtoons won't edit your work at all. And then once it's already done, a publisher will be like, well, it's working. Like there's an audience for it. So, and I also weirdly feel, this might be a little uh, arrogant, but I do feel that um, a lot of publishers, just a lot of editors just don't know what they're talking about when it comes to comics. Um, I don't know if you've ever met any frustrating editors, but one editor that I worked with at Penguin, I showed him my, um, my comics, my thumbnails. And he was like, what if you were to delete this panel here? And he, I think in his head, he was assuming that like my computer program that I was using would just reorder all of the panels as if it was like a, a letter and a sentence on a word processor. I do think that you, you as a creator probably know what's best for your work. And that's an extremely powerful thing for me, this realization that like we ourselves as creators have consumed so much comics and stories and things. You kind of know when something's not right. And if you're really honest with yourself, for me, that's the best editorial direction. So many good answers you got here. <laughs> uh, I want to get to some more audience questions now. Uh, where would you like to see your career going with comics? What What other things do you have in mind that you want to work on? My goal is to get done with Space Boy. I am in this weird place where like, did I bite off more than I can chew? But I, I see the ending sort of shining before me like this glorious. I, I just see it and I see buckets of happy tears for my audience. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know if we'll get there. And I, I'm scared because I, I say like, well, it'll take two or three years to finish. And I know that that probably means like five or six years. So I just hope to be able to pay the bills for as long as it takes to make Space Boy. In my little heart of heart, I do hope to be done by the time I'm 38. I'm 35 right now. And the reason I picked that number is um, Miyazaki, who was a huge inspiration for me. Uh, he actually didn't make his directorial debut until he was 38, which is rather surprising. 
and it, it makes me think um, like he spent a lot of work just doing TV uh, stuff. He did um, Heidi and Conan and a bunch of other series. So he just did the grind for the first 20 years of his life. And then he went on to make some of the best animation in history afterwards, after he was 40, after he was 38. And um, so I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I'm following a similar trajectory as Miyazaki because I have so much respect for him. Mm. But it just makes me feel a little bit better uh, to still be working on Space Play because I think if I could just get done even before I'm 40, I'll be pretty happy. And then I, I'm really excited to have to have command of all the skills that I've learned and be able to create this webtoon to create the next thing, which I don't honestly know what it'll be. I have to ask, do you have an ending in mind? Like, do you know where it's going or is it still sort of open? Yeah, I know the, I know the ending very specifically and I just don't know how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the trouble <laughs> yeah um all right so let's get to some more fun questions here because we're almost out of time so this question's been sitting here for a while and i'm curious what you'll say uh if space boy would get turned into an animated tv series they ask if he'll be picked up by amazon prime or apple tv but i want to throw it out what who if anyone could pick it up who, who would you want to pick it up i don't know honestly anybody It'd be also nice if I got someone who uh, allowed the vision of Space Boy to carry through the, the message that there is hope for people. I did have, my agent did um, uh, hand it over to some writers who took it off and pitched it to a bunch of places. Mm. And uh, Netflix was looking at it for a long time. Yeah, no bites. Eventually they decided to pass on it. And so for now, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. But I don't know, maybe we'll send it out for another round of, of pitching once the story's done. I hope so. Cause that would be awesome to see on the screen. That'd be so cool. <laughs> um, here's a question about working in comics. So question is I'm currently in art school and would love to be an assistant for a web comic to get started in the comic world. Where do you find those kinds of jobs? Where do, where do people find their web, their comic, their web comic assistants? Well, you could uh, email me. <laughs> um, I actually employ, well, I, I, I work with interns who do like a three month internship with me and they basically color flat. But um, we meet every single week and uh, I give them as much feedback on their work as they need. And uh, they learn my process and my workflow. So mm. go ahead and email me. Otherwise, um, check people's internet and Twitters. Um, or sorry, check people's like social media. They'll often be advertising for internships. Uh, awesome. It is unpaid, but, but I have had people get uh, college credit for it in the past. So. Thank you. And, and here's something about, uh, I think you touched on this briefly, but uh how do you how do you manage time working full-time and drawing a web comic um was there a time where you were doing that where you were trying to balance the day-to-day -day with the creative side of things just to be clear I, it is my full-time job I, I only work on webtoons and so but how do you balance it without burning out that is a hard question i think the biggest thing is like i mentioned um having your minimum effective dose what is the smallest amount i can do on this project every single day so that it turns into a habit rather than, oh, my deadline's here. So I'm not going to work, but then I'm going to work. Then I'm going to work really hard. Then I'm going to work really late into the night. And then the next morning I'm going to crash. And it's the, it's, it's just like a car, right? Like if you're going to spend the most gas when you're stopping and starting the car, when you're changing your speed, but when you're coast, when you're going, like that's when you use the least gas. So I try to stop as little as possible and start as little as possible. I just try to have a habitual work every single day. So if you, if, if you, if you did one panel a day on your comic, you would get far more done than trying to do, you know, 10 panels one day a week. You know, you've worked in traditional comics with the, with the print and you've worked with webtoons as far as the production of it, it does it, 
challenge? Like, was there a learning curve to learn the specifics for Webtoons or was it a pretty natural fit for you? Um, I figured it out pretty quick. I think early on people were um, having trouble by not having speech bubbles that were large enough for the mobile version. I uh, feel very fortunate in that I figured out a way to draw the pages first assuming that it would go into a book and then I lay them out in webtoons format, spacing it appropriately. And I've made it so that the speech bubbles are big enough. They're not as big as they could be, but they're big enough for a mobile version. And that actually really helped me to put these books out because a lot of the popular webtoon artists who you see publishing books are having to spend a significant amount of time converting their webtoon format into a book page. Um, so I'm glad that I started with book page first and, uh, converts it to webtoons from there. And then we're just about out of time. So I want to ask two last questions. The first one, you have given such good advice throughout this entire show, but I wanted to ask you if there was one piece of advice you could give to people who want to break into comics, whether it be traditional or, or, or webtoons, what, if you could boil it all down to one piece of advice, what would it be? It sounds weird, but I would, I, I wouldn't take comics too seriously, mm. um, which sounds kind of weird telling you guys that you know being on a comics website in the midst of a comics community but I, i've actively i've actively participated in what i call the religion of comics where it's just it's there's a sense of like ah, oh, this is how i express my meaning in the world and this is how people will remember me after i'm dead they'll look at my work and go ah oh, this is who he was and um, i used to think of my work that way i used to like elevate it to those levels and even like this is how i'm going to like impact society um, but i've realized uh, recently that like much more meaningful than my work is just caring for the person next to me, um, having a daughter and realizing that like, my goodness, I'm going to have way more impact on this person right here, right now in front of me by loving them well than I'll ever have on, you know, my audience. And, and Faceboy is impactful and it is, it is doing things for peep society, but it's a lot less connected to me. Um, and I think also there's this feeling of like, oh, well, I, I can't make a mark on the world until I get published. I can't do that, you know, like get my work out there until like so-and-so gatekeeper, you know, lets me in when in actuality, like if, if our goal is to like love the person next to us and um, try to just do good for the people around us, that's something you can do every day because there's always someone next to you. There's always like someone who is in front of you that you can take care of and love. And I've been realizing recently that I, I've been trying to redefine my self-worth that's disconnected from my comics and more connected to like, um, who am I loving that day, you know, and who am I being loved by? So I would weirdly say like, it's okay if it takes time. Um, you know, you're, you, you are worth, <laughs> you are a really worthwhile person just for existing. And, and you don't have to, um, you know, like a publisher will not, will not give you the, 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 that concrete, you know, fullness of the human experience, meaning that you're looking for, like, cause I used to just feel very strongly that like, I, I wouldn't start living until I got my work out there, you know, and it's just not true. Life is a lot more than comics. And I think weirdly, paradoxically, like you will have a lot to say by living present and by loving people um, in your work. So your work can only benefit by putting it in its place and saying, this is not who I am. This is just something I do. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. that. That's fantastic. Such a good note to end on. I do, before we end, want to give you a chance to promote whatever you have to promote, where people can find you on social media, how they can read your stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't have time to go into how I make comics entirely. Like I tried to give you guys as much as I could, but there's a, a seven part YouTube series series that I made that I put on my Patreon on the $5 artist tier. So if you want to jump on there, watch all the stuff and then unsubscribe right away, that's fine too. 
but um, it's like each, each lecture is like a rambling hour where I really go into lavish detail about every aspect of how I create comics. Uh, other than that, please check out Space Boy and um, thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. This was awesome. Uh, to, to everybody that's here, we'll be back. They, 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 first off, thank you for being here. Um, and we'll be back <laughs> in two weeks. Uh, February 1st, we'll have another one of these. Uh, so we don't have the details up yet, but they'll be up on negativespace.com slash events. So negativespace.com slash events if you want to join us again in two weeks. And again, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is so fun. Awesome. All right. We'll see you all in a few weeks.